podcast with James and Jane. Hey, this is Jane. And just before we get into this episode, I want to remind you all about the great stuff on our website at www.worldofwork.io. Over there, you can check out our online seminar program, the workshops we run, as well as our coaching and all the other podcasts we've recorded. So that's www.worldofwork.io. Now on to this episode. Hello, this is James. And this is Jane. And here we are again with another episode of a World of Work podcast. What are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about something really close to my heart. Oh, yeah. Uh, heart. We're talking about the uh, power of habits. Okay, cool. And particularly how you can be more deliberate in your habits. Great. Or maybe change. Remember, this is in the context of a series about behavior change. Yeah. So this is all about um, giving people some tools and some information about how they can influence their own behavior yeah right so habits are a huge part of behavior so we've got a habit of recording podcasts and it's almost beginning to feel like a normal part of our behavior yeah i'm not sure about that one um i know certainly i am uh currently uh sitting on my sofa uh in a pair of socks that i put on every day that i know i'm not going out for the day yeah, they're uh, my house socks yeah, and i do yeah, without thinking socks habit house socks I know, that makes me sound like such an old lady. <laughs> it's because we've got really cold wooden floors. Yeah, I've got my special leaving the house socks on today, but I've never... But I don't remember putting them on, right? Yeah, I do okay, not yeah, remember yeah, putting yeah. them on. You just kind of I know. just must have put them on when yeah, I just yeah, looked down and they're today, on. something happened, you just yeah. sort of have that automated thing. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So let's, we'll get on to that. Um, but should we start with talking about how people can get in touch and all that kind of stuff? We should start talking yeah. about that. You'd think I that would think. become a habit as well, doing that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I like to be spontaneous. Yeah, yeah. So, lots of ways to get in touch. Uh, The most obvious is to find us on our website, which is www.thewowpodcast.org, where you can also sign up for our wow mail. Yeah. Uh, But we also like a bit of social media, don't we, James? Yeah, we do. We like Twitter. We do. So, how do people find us there? They check out at the wow podcast. That's us, at the wow podcast. Uh, And we're also on LinkedIn and Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Places like that. Just check it out, yeah. Oh, Um, email jj at the wow podcast. Yeah, we always forget that one. Always forget that one. We we actually read the emails as well. We just uh, don't always talk about it. I'm always surprised when people email us as well. It's nice. It's like people email us and it's like, hey, I was listening to your show and it's like, uh, I heard this thing and I thought you might be interested because I read about this. And I'm like, oh. Here's an article you might like. It's almost like they're proving that they've listened to us. (laughs) Kind of. My favorite we get some really interesting stuff i mean we get we get people talking about their research and we get people um sharing ideas ideas for topics ideas for content potential guests all that stuff so it's always great to get those yeah i, I must um, admit i feel quite privileged a couple of um there's a couple of academics and a couple of other practitioners yeah. who have sent us uh sneak previews of some yeah, of the research yeah. or shared it with us and that's lovely yeah 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 and we are gonna we are gonna speak about that stuff in more detail at time. yes definitely because um, there's quite a lot of it yeah it's just getting around to it cool so that's uh a little bit around how you can get in touch with us in all the usual ways. Shall um, we run through the format just for simplicity? Yeah, sake? okay, cool. Uh, so, on you go. Well, it's going to confuse everyone because, uh, and that's why, why we sound like we don't know who's speaking. <laughs> yes. Because today I'm picking up research. Uh, we've done this once before. It didn't mm-hmm. It didn't bomb. No, it's good. It's um, good. So we'll see how we go. And uh, so as always, we'll start with some definitions that we'll, we think will be relevant to you for your uh, listening to the rest of the episode. I'll then dive into a research roundup. Uh, and then we've got a couple of lists of the week. Yeah. Uh, some stories from the keyboard. Um, which is an interesting one yeah. today. Uh, some top tips, and then we will close ourselves off. Yeah. So, but before we do, how are you doing? 
Yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's you know what? It's springtime. I am full of the joys of sparkling springtime. So we should explain, listeners. As always, <laughs> we're recording in Edinburgh, and for the first time in quite a while, it is glorious sunshine outside, which has made us both a little bit we're, giggly. Yeah, we're both a little bit and a little bit distracted. And, and... and it's also a bank holiday or a national holiday. Yeah. Here. So although everyone else is cutting their grass and out in the sunshine, we are in here feeling a bit giggly. Yeah, yeah. Just in terms of context, right? I just thought you guys might like to know this particularly anyone who lives anywhere actually warm. It's made it up to 57 degrees Fahrenheit so far today, which... I'm going to say the same thing to you that I say to you every time. Can I'm going to flip it please put it in centigrade? Yeah, no, I'm just going to find the high though as well. So today's high is going to be 65 degrees Fahrenheit. I literally don't know what that means. Okay, so what that means is at the minute it's 14 degrees C and uh, it's getting up to 19 degrees C. Is it? 19 it's going to be 19 today. today. That's what it says, 4 p.m. today, right? I'm going to get my sunblock on. I'm going to get a special hat. I'm going to get some sunglasses. You realize there's people all over the south, uh, southern states oh, and yeah, all totes, over totally, South Africa right. and places like that. Just I, I know, I know, I know. Going, That's why we're calling it. What now. is it in Just, London? Uh, in London today. Oh, we've we got so a whole excited. new podcast on the weather. Uh, <laughs> The psychology of the weather yeah. and what so, it does to you. So <gasps> they're in the 20s. Yeah, London's 21 oh. at the minute, but their high is only 22. For those of you who don't know um, Britain uh, well, uh, the first sunny day that people are happy in, in the year tends to be a completely ridiculously over-the-top occasion where suddenly everyone's really happy and everyone's slow to yeah, each other. Yeah, the country kind of stops, right? Like in terms of work-wise. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, as we've okay. just stopped anywhere ourselves. Moving I, on. Yeah. Bad habits. My favourite weather. Uh, before we kick off, I just wanted to share something to give a bit of a frame. Um, Benjamin Franklin, uh, that well-known American, mm-hmm. said, uh, purportedly said, mm. your net worth to the world is usually determined by what remains after your bad habits are subtracted from your good ones. It's pretty good. I think that that pretty epically frames the importance. It of does, habits. doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Your net worth is a product of your habits, right? Um, your net worth to the world. Well, yes, net worth uh, to the world, right? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? I like that. So I just wanted to put that out there because I think, whilst it is very grandiose, um, yeah, but, it, but there's something really true about it, right? I mean, this is your your habits affect how you influence others, how you appear in the world, what you contribute, and what you have left in the tank, yeah. and and what you're able to do. It's it's just it's it's I'm I'm fascinated by the habits that I've picked yeah, up and haven't yeah. been able to change and things like that. Good ones, bad ones. I mean, it just shapes yeah. your life if you, if you really think yeah. about it. You are really the sum of it all. Um, okay, so are you going to kick us off this time with some yeah. definitions? I am. Oh. I thought about saying no just to see what would happen, if it, if it would throw you, but I'm... <laughs> if you'd said no, there would have been some panic scrolling and <laughs> yes. some throwing a paper around and some glares. <laughs> it would have been funny. Um, all right, so uh, definition, definition discussion section. We're going to talk about a few things. Um going to run through a definition of a habit a bit around habit formation a bit around the biggest word of a day which is automaticity <laughs> yeah <laughs> keep an eye out for that one folks we'll try not to say it too much uh i'll talk about uh, the word cue self-regulation and then i'll just touch on habitualization because it's something a little bit different but you know we're not going to focus on it but it's worth reflecting on it um so if we start off a habit what is a habit well the merriam-webster dictionary says a habit is a routine of behavior that is repeated regularly and that tends to occur subconsciously right so this is kind of a stuff that you do semi-automatically right it just happens regularly you're not really paying attention to it it's just 
what you do, either in a situation or a location or a time or whatever, just stuff that happens. The next definition is habit formation. Now, this is from um, a uh, psychology journal um, by a group which was Lally et al. And, and it says that habit formation is the process by which a behavior through regular repetition becomes automatic or habitual, right? So basically what it says is that you can form habits and, and have actions and behaviors transfer into this um, sort of subconscious form of repetition by doing certain things that, that make those uh, actions or behaviors become habits. You know, you can form them into habits, basically. Right, here's the big one. Automaticity. I don't know why that's so hard. Um, it is. It's like it's missing a, a syllable or two. Automaticity is the ability to perform tasks without conscious thought. So to some extent, automaticity is is uh, the mechanism or, or the, uh, you know, the, the sort of mechanics that sit within habits. Um, it, it's the word that's used to describe that ability of doing things without using your conscious brain. Really, You, you use forms of memory, you use uh, your subconscious, but you're really not necessarily in the moment of doing those things. It, it can happen automatically. So once again, for all you uh, fans out there, automaticity. <sighs> Gosh. Anyway. All right. So, so those are the first uh, three definitions that are fairly core to what we're going to do. The next two are cue and self-regulation. And these are definitions that pop up in some of the research that we're going to do. Um, so cue, um, not the type of thing you line up in and not the type of thing that you use to hit balls around a table. But um, from the psychology wiki, cues are internal or external events which have a signaling significance to an organism, which subsequently affects learning and behavior. Cues may be verbal or nonverbal, right? So if you think about a cue, it's, it's kind of something that starts uh, a process of action. So it's a signal that results in something else happening. Um, and cues can be emotional cues, they can be verbal cues, they can be um, activities, they could be all, all kinds of different things. But, but of a starting points of subsequent effects. Self-regulation then um, is from a website, the definition we've got from a website called Move With Me. Um, and they say that self-regulation is the ability to monitor and manage your energy states, emotions, thoughts, and behaviors in ways that are acceptable and produce positive results such as well-being, loving relationships, and learning. Um, self-regulation is how we deal with the stressors um, and as such it lays the foundations for our other activities. So self-regulation is really your ability to, to behave in certain ways in certain environments in certain situations and to manage yourself through um, the vagaries and, and variations of life as, as things appear and as you know existing cues that you've seen before affect you and as new cues come in and, and all that stuff you know I mean despite the, the turbitude of the world how do you manage yourself through those different things. Um, and that leaves us with habitualization, which is um, a slightly different word. And we just want to bring it out because it's not really what we're speaking about, but we just want people to be clear that it's a different thing. Um, the definition we're going with here is from the, uh, the Open Education Sociology Dictionary. And habitualization in this context says that, or is the idea that behaviors, norms, and values that an individual learns are picked up from their social situation and ingrained into them due to prolonged exposure to such uh, social situations. 
Um, so what this is really meaning is that the way we think about things and the way that, that we consider things to be acceptable and normal and just the way things are around here, you know, our sense of what that is, is influenced by the world around us and, and those around us. Um, and what this means is our, our sort of our belief structures and, you know, maybe our relationships with others, the way that we see different people in different groups or the way that we um, see, uh, you know, sort of constructs that, that exist within society are the result of um, how much we're exposed to that, that kind of stuff around us. So if we're exposed to lots of certain types of thinking, we kind of take it on board. And exposed amongst our own. I yes. Think, oh, key yes, point, yes, yes, it? yes, yes. So yes, it's, yes. it's about... Uh, what does our social group do, right? You, you know, it's about the fact that when you emerge from certain number of years living at home and school you uh, realize just how many ideas you've inherited yes right yes, and how yes, many yes, concepts yes, yes, about yes. the world you inherited and you go out there and you're like oh, this isn't this isn't how they said it yeah, was gonna be. yeah 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 so by being habitually around this stuff throughout your developmental period of your life or whatever it is you kind of absorb it and you yeah. think that's normal and, and that's kind of yeah, what you take it on as your own yeah so um so that's my take on our definition discussion um hopefully that works for everybody out there what do you think well, I think I think you did excellent. Oh, thank you. Do I get um, to go again one day? You mo- no, you get to say automaticity oh, for the rest of the episode. No. Look at that. Well done. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably worth mentioning um, that this subject could be incredibly scientific, yeah, really complex, really sociological, um, or we can go at it from a very practical approach, and that's what we've done. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to move on to research roundup yeah, in a minute, yeah. and. It's just important to note, we know there's a load of other neuroscience, um, sociological understanding. There's, there's, it's a big multi, subject, It's massively it? multidisciplinary and it informs yeah. huge amounts. And there's there's huge, very controversial experiments went on years ago about how habits are created and stuff. Yeah, yeah it We're touches, staying well yeah, away from yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah, high for level us, for, for us. For us, this is about, there are things that happen during your day that either you haven't automated or habitualized and therefore they're taking up energy. Uh, and there are things that you're doing you don't want to be doing that you'd like to be changing and there are things you're not doing that you'd like to be doing right yeah. and and that's what we're talking so about so it's kind of like personal habits for you as an individual looking after your own life it's yeah, how, yeah absolutely um, or it might be in your work life and how you interact with people but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's largely about things that are um, uh, are relatively straightforward yeah um, so why are we talking about it um, I thought it would be a really useful way yeah, to yeah. kick off the research. So, Jane, why, so why are we talking about it? Well, I guess, I guess from my perspective, they're really useful. I think it's impossible to run your life or your body or your brain without habits. Uh-huh. Um, and I think what's really important to understand is they automate our routine activities and they conserve our energy. Yeah. Okay. So if uh, you and uh, and they can be detrimental. So if you think about um, Benjamin Franklin's net idea mm-hmm. of, of what they what bad habits take away from the good yeah um, and you think about that in energy terms and brain power terms yeah i think it's quite a helpful thought you know if you've got bad habits they're, they're constantly taking away yeah uh, from your time your energy your ability your reputation yeah. loads of stuff and if you've got good habits and habits that are helpful to you mm-hmm. you're conserving energy you're getting things done quickly you're not having to con- uh, do it consciously and pe- and and people will perceive you as a effective person, yeah. right? So, um, like in the one of the earlier episodes when we started on this, we talked a, a little bit about dual process theory and, and the fact that you know your brain's got two systems: it's system one, system two. And um, you know, with the system one, you're kind of automatic and you just yeah. do it. And then 
with system two you like you invest emotional or uh, you know like intellectual energy to make yeah. stuff happen and they're just different ways aren't yeah they? and the, the concept really is that if you use too much of within this is mm. if you are using to the, the other the the more intense one too yeah. often you're, you're leaving less in the bank right and yeah, if you're having yeah. to use that system for uh, things you could hit, make habits and uh-huh. automate then then that's wasteful yeah, yeah, um, yeah, but I also think it's about um, when you have created habits that are unhelpful. Yeah, well, we all um, do, and we do because we're really unconscious in the way we develop them. We we learn them. That mm-hmm. you, your uh, definition around habitualization. Yeah, lots yeah, of you, what yeah, we've yeah. picked up. You know, generally, really simple stuff like do you put your plates away after your dinner is a learned thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from from the what was habitual in your household. Yeah. Um, so I think it's useful and uh, why am I interested well because on a personal level I have some habits I don't like yeah and I found it really hard to shift some of them and I found others surprisingly easy what was the hardest hardest uh, the hardest is an ongoing battle okay um, and it's it, 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 it's having a it sounds ridiculous right. when I open my laptop yep. I am trying to ensure that I have a routine of what I do Okay. and when I close my laptop I'm trying to ensure I have a routine of what I do so that I don't open my laptop with 400 different tabs that are open from last time right, okay. and that I have done my accounts because I've finished a piece of work and it's been registered how many oh, hours I've done yeah, yeah, yeah. and so that I have a little routine in the same way some people have a morning and an afternoon routine I have a routine when I turn my laptop on and off which is like Uh, I open my laptop and I go to my email and I check what's in and then I turn it off yeah fine so you just kind of proceduralise it yeah and I automate without thinking because the problem is at the moment I'm I'm really engaged in it and I'm like oh look this is coming and then I'm like oh I had this out last time and and it's very reactive and similarly I tend to work until I've got nothing left in the tank and then shut my laptop and then I'm left with I don't know how many hours I've spent on what project or client. Yeah, yeah. I don't. And so for me, and that startup pens up pens down time yeah. becomes. And it shouldn't than... matter. Yeah. And it probably wouldn't, except I found it almost impossible to change them. Yeah. And that therefore that automatically triggers my curiosity about why is that? And, yeah. And yeah, why yeah, have yeah, I found yeah. that one difficult versus? Yeah. Um, I have never made my bed for thirty years. Wow. And I decided. Like, like I have, I have when I've needed to. <laughs> so like that was a bit more say, of a genuine wow. I've I never made my bed in the morning, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um, and I decided when I went freelance, that was the thing I was going to do to right. make me feel like I, like, it, I read a thing about a, a military general, an American military general in the US Army yeah. who talked about when he left service and he used to make his bed like a military general yeah, yeah. Uh, or whatever, however it works, you know, hospital. Yeah, 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 and and he talked about how that gave him some sense of purpose, so that if he did yeah. nothing else, and also he was living, in the day, and, and he was living to his standards, yes. and he was he was behaving in a way that is congruent with who he is. Yeah. And I was like, right, I'm doing that. I'm not making hospital corners because I got duvet, but yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to make my bed every day. Great. And it was just instant, and it was yeah. so simple. And I was trying to unpick why it was just so easy when yeah. I'd never done it before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I realised those are two very different examples but it's, yeah. for me there's lots to do with cues and motivation and and i just think it's interesting yeah great oh, well, that's, that's, so that's like why i'm to, looking at it yeah good um so the way i've approached this is to introduce some ideas and some context uh, concepts um so we're gonna start off by talking about automaticity and how that manifests in people's lives and look at some of the different ways that you see automaticity Okay. And then talk a little bit about how you can sort of nudge those things mm-hmm. in certain directions. So, so again, automaticity. Ticity. Yeah, that word. That's all about like the different ways that things can become automatic. Is that right? Yeah. 
So automaticity is, in its simplest form, being able to do something without conscious. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there are different ways. So, that and there's lots of ways that happens: okay. physical, mental, emotional, um, and we're going to go through some of those. Cool. Uh, and give you some really interesting examples of, of things that they people will recognise from their daily lives, and some of them are good, some of them not so much. Okay. Um, then we're going to have a little bit of talk about like there's some myths. There's a myth particularly out there about how long it takes to change habits, which I would like to talk about a little okay. bit. Um, and then we're going to talk about probably the most common piece of theory, which is uh, the habit loop. And habit replacement, okay. and the concept that you don't, you know, why cold turkey is so hard. Fine. So that's a bit of a practical yeah. piece around. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to start off with automaticity. Uh, we really should have chosen a I bit know. of research which we could pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. Um, AMAC. We're going to talk about so, AMAC. <laughs> AMAC. No. I don't know. <laughs> uh, definitely not. No, okay. That is not happening. You've got to try some. Uh, so it, it, automaticity is typically it comes from either learning practice. Uh, or knowledge you have that adapts the brain to a task such that it limits the amount of mental resource you need, right? So it's something where there is an opportunity for your brain to conserve energy or to be able to do other things. So it's look it, 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 it's looking for ways, in your terms of the two, two ways. Yeah, system one, system two. two system one, uh, system two. Yeah, it's looking system. for ways to get stuff over yeah. to that, that non-consumptive yeah simplistic yeah, yeah, approach yeah, yeah. so i just really liked these because i think they are they, they instantly make you understand what we're talking about so the the, the the examples of automaticity might be muscle memory so uh that could be typing on a keyboard riding a bicycle playing a musical instrument um it's a physical task muscle memory um and it requires conscious effort when you first do it but quite often falls into the background so like typing maybe typing is absolutely yeah okay okay so when you first type you have to really <laughs> yeah. concentrate right you're doing the chopsticks yeah. yeah and maybe maybe younger people don't know this oh yeah maybe it, not it's bit, and yeah, it's really yeah. interesting because that's built in right yeah. it's happened so early Great, they don't yeah, remember yeah. it um, but certainly riding a bike yeah. right it, you when you when you can't do it swimming and riding a bike feel yeah. like the hardest thing in the world yeah oh that coordination you're like what is going on mm-hmm. um, for me serving in tennis is the best example okay, because it yeah. is so hard until it isn't and then the minute you get it it's like you even if you're bad at it you'll never not it just know feels so normal or whatever, yeah. what okay. the movement is yeah. uh, language so language skills uh, like reading writing right. um, fluency translation uh, become automatic uh, yeah, yeah. and so the classic I would give you is that People who truly are fluent quite often dream in alternate oh, languages. Oh, yeah, yeah, they bounce around. And that is the ultimate subconscious, right? Yeah. So you absolutely are not putting any effort in. Yeah, and yeah, yet yeah, you yeah. are able to do something. Oh, cool. Uh, highway hypnosis, okay. which I have, been, I have experienced, mm-hmm. uh, is the concept when you're driving, you are apparently safe, supposedly. <laughs> well, you're safe in the context of nothing changing. Um, you're obeying the rules, but you don't remember driving any of it. And it is, it's the example of where someone crosses over a pedestrian crossing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, or I think they call them crosswalks. Yeah, 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 yeah. crosswalks. Um, and you don't remember stopping for them. Yes. Because you're just on autopilot. You're on autopilot. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, probably yeah, yeah, yeah. We should have called it autopilot. Yeah, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Um, there is definitely a level of highway hypnosis not being safe. But how not safe is, is yeah. difficult to, to identify. And it is likely that your brain is, is managing risk without knowing it. Yeah. So it's, it's saying, oh, you don't need to be fully conscious because yep. it's only going to drop the risk a bit. Yeah, you go have a chat, listen to the yeah, radio. I would argue it's not. It's abs- yeah, absolutely. It's funny, also, interestingly, might explain, I've no idea, why when I have the radio on, I actually am able to concentrate more. 
Yeah, maybe. Because <coughs> my brain is engaged in yeah, something partly, constantly. Yeah, yeah. It's not drifting. So then uh, there's the concept of unconscious competence. Yeah. Um, uh, this is really interesting for me. So the example they talk about is in sports. Okay. Uh, uh, where uh, as soon as you become conscious of something, you start not doing it as well. Oh, right. So yeah, yeah, okay. the example that they use, for example, is basketball free throws. Okay. As soon as someone starts thinking about it too much, it starts going horribly wrong. Yeah, and you hear and about that in like in golf as well with like putting and stuff. Yeah, oh, like, they attention. call yeah. So there's there's amazing stories. Really, tr- like so, one of my all time favorite players is Sergio Garcia, who had okay. terrible problems with his short game because he would end up regripping the club and have oh, all yeah, of these habits yeah, that yeah, he had yeah. developed. Um, and uh, the idea really about this this conscious unconscious competence is that your your brain or something or your body has created a process mm-hmm. and if you start being too conscious you're interfering with it yeah and so there is there is a routine you just don't know about it because it's in your subconscious yeah okay. and then as soon as you start thinking about it your you're brain's like, like hang on no yeah, no yeah, yeah. no don't do that what are you doing and literally alone. your brain and body's going hey we got this yeah 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 and you're like <laughs> no 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 I'm gonna micromanage this <laughs> I know and I always I you always remember think to of my hold brain the club. <laughs> I literally always think of my brain as a micromanager it's like going no 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 my brain's going hey hey Back off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back off. I'm doing this 15 years. <laughs> yeah. You've suddenly shown up. Yeah, it's yeah. a big game. Oh, now you're interested, yeah. huh? Where were you? It's a big game. <laughs> it's important to you. Yeah, um, So the last two uh, are Centipede's Dilemma. Oh, right. Uh, which I'd never heard of before. No, I haven't um, Which is, originates in some poetry, 19th century poetry, by a lady Gosh. called Catherine Cresta. Yeah, apparently so. Effectively, um, it's about a story where a toad asks a centipede how it walks. And this throws the centipede into a state of confusion such that she can no longer walk. And, okay. and the concept is the minute that someone asks you how you're doing something and you can't explain it, you no longer are able to do it. And that kind of makes sense. Because you don't understand yeah. how it's happening. Yeah, it's, just, it's it, automatic. And the, it? it's quite similar, I think, I suspect, to the whole conscious, unconscious Yeah, it feels thing. like it, yeah. Um, but I just... I like. It's yeah. a nice little analogy. It's cute, isn't it? right? Yeah, it's cute, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and finally, intuition, which I know you and I have talked about at great length. Um, intuition is the ability... To people talk about gut feel, yeah, um, or guesstimating. Yeah, I love guesstimating. I think it's a much better explanation. Um, it's the ability to judge a situation without consciously thinking about it. Yeah, um, and it it can appear certainly the the output is that people can often make decisions much quicker without yes, thinking about yes, it. Yes, yes. It can appear to other people that they're not giving it due thought. Yeah, but actually, or it might feel like a bit fluffy, like yeah. they're not really doing it grounded in evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or data, data drives me crazy, right? Data can include a load of experiences that you've got that internalize that you've forgotten about in your subconscious. Totally, and and data can also be things that, that you take in, but you don't even know that you've taken Correct. in. I mean, there's some amazing stories around that kind of. So stuff. quite often, intuition, yeah. And if you watch um, Darren Brown, uh, yeah, he's a great example of someone who uh, manipulates your environment around you such that you pick up cues yeah. you don't realize, yeah. such that he can play them back. And so, intuition is all about. Uh, uh, so the example they gave, there's loads of sport metaphors, which it wasn't mm, a sport funny. website. Yeah, um, okay. Surfer may intuitively know which particular wave is trouble and let it pass. Yeah. Right? And people will be like, oh, he's like got special skills. No, he doesn't. You just read micro signals, don't he's, you? Yeah, and he's done. He's looked at so many waves yeah. that the process of analysing if that wave is safe yeah. is no longer there. So he calls it intuition because he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Right? but he's got the data. He's like, basically, he's a big piece of data analysis. He knows what's good. He knows yeah. what's bad. 
I mean, like he doesn't know and he I, knows this stuff. I suspect intuition is one of those things that as we start to unpick neuroscience more and more and more, it becomes clearer. Yeah. And, and, and it really is. I mean, there, there are lots of studies out there about how a lot of this stuff is just data recognition at a subconscious level. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to, I really wanted to share that list because I really it's liked good. it. Yeah, it's nice. And I think it brings home um, kind of the context of habit rather than what we all think about, which is biting our nails, not answering a phone on social media too much. Yeah. But actually starts to ground it in some concepts and constructs around how we act and how we behave yeah. and all the habits the millions of habits that make us up yeah because we talk right and that's a habit that is something that automated that autumn well for me it's particularly a habit i see you smiling <laughs> i'm smiling i know I you're smiling. to try and finish that sentence like, like, i now can't that. so moving on <laughs> yeah okay so there's the list about automaticity oh, well done. Check thank you <laughs> thank you i'm here all day um so the next thing i just wanted to talk about a little bit was a piece of research that you mentioned in the definitions by philip lally um, and a few others in 2010 where they investigated the formation of habits and really the biggest thing they did was blur apart the myth that a habit is formed in 21 days because yeah. um, you hear that don't you uh, and I'm like, I've been parts of programs that like, perpetuate that myth yeah, around, I've yeah, used yeah. it I at one point thought it would be a really brilliant idea to design a diary that you could purchase that was for 21, 21 days, days yeah, 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 yeah. because I believed it and and you know but they no. just really expertly go nah not true yeah. um, okay. uh, what they find is that probably an average of 66 okay but that that's, that's extrapolated time. from a shorter study so who knows yeah um, I mean the maths might be good but really yeah. how confident can you be um, and also that you know there is a whole host of variables how complex the task is um how much that task is uh, something that you've ingrained and had a lot, been exposed to for a very long time? Where does it come from? All of this stuff. And who are you as an individual? I mean, people are broadly homogenous. I don't know how well you're able to do it. But what they also find interestingly, which is something that I have always advocated and I have always believed, is that if you occasionally deviate from the habit, that's okay. It doesn't affect your ability to take it on. Okay. So all of this idea that you uh, have to start from scratch. Okay, when fine, you, like each relapse is a Yeah, it's scratch. like a brand new start, yeah. uh, which I've always been really uncomfortable with because I think it gives people an excuse to relapse forever. Yeah. Um, so uh, the example I would give is around uh, smoking. So I used to be a smoker. And the way I cracked it was, um, and, and particularly when it was no longer a nicotine thing, because I was down to quite a, quite a small number and it was it felt less nicotine-y. Yeah. It felt much more about a ritual that I had to take myself outside of my work environment and take yeah. some time for myself. And And, you know... There are two things from, from the research that really struck, struck with me. One is, uh, I used to count the number of days in that year that I hadn't smoked. Yeah. So every day was just one more day. And if I, if I, did, if I smoked that day, that was just one day I had smoked. Yeah. I've not done it the way I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what you end up with is you end up with a calendar full of green dots and the occasional rod. Yeah. Which is completely different from having to start the day after red as a zero. Yeah. And then yeah. it feels like, oh, well, I'm zero again and I had 200 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I've lost. I might as well just not bother because yeah, yeah, I clearly yeah, yeah. can't do this. It's too hard. Yeah. Because recreating two hundred feels impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying, oh, it's one day. And the irony is, as soon as I switched that, I found it really helpful. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so, uh, so, and there's some evidence from from the Lali research around that, which is really really helpful. So I just wanted to bring that one out because I think it's really important. There's loads of other stuff in it, and actually, there's a couple of really good articles on the internet that I'll link to on the Wow Mail because I really enjoyed reading that piece of research, mm-hmm. and I think it's got places to go I think there will be more things to come from it that will be useful for people cool. um, as they, they move forward with their research so I liked that and then uh, the last thing that I want to talk about in research roundup is around the habit loop okay. and habit replacement that sounds good well it's a diagram alright so I mean, always it's great a really for audio one. media isn't it yeah I mean it's a diagram in the sense that I like it 
uh, as a diagram, but it's a really simple process. And the the habit loop argues that uh, you there are cues which you mentioned in your definition. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. are cues. There are sensory signals um, which trigger you executing a routine. Okay. That provides a reward. Gotcha. And that that whole process is bumped up by craving the concept of craving yeah okay so craving that reward so the example that quite often gets pushed out is social media checking okay so uh there is a beep on your phone yeah which is so your that little flashing light or whatever to let you know that to stick a trigger a routine which is to pick up your phone to open it up gotcha. to look at what's there such that you are seeking a reward a message from someone you like yeah and the more you do that the more that there is a, a habit of doing Fine. that and also that there is a craving yeah uh, so, so if under... it's something you really want it will start to be like oh well i might just check and then what happens yeah. is you start checking your phone before the queue because there's a routine that you can execute that usually gives you a reward yeah yep 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 yep, yep. makes sense yeah makes sense okay. totally. i was thinking like um you know i used to smoke as well so for me things like whenever i'd have a coffee i'd really want to have a cigarette so I guess that craving was always there to smoke and then you have a, like a nice cup of coffee and it kind of links into the same thing and I get my reward and yeah and interestingly for me I don't miss smoking mm-hmm. generally mm-hmm. there are specific signals that really trigger me okay um, and one of them is seeing people smoke in movies oh right and right. it is because I'm absolutely convinced with no evidence whatsoever that it is because as I was growing up and I started smoking um, oh. everyone smoked on telly and for me, it was a real, like, I'm one of those people. Fine, okay. Um, this is when I was a really young teenager. Yeah. But it, there is an element of that. And I think, and I see it, and it reminds me of not necessarily enjoying smoking, because ultimately it tasted disgusting. Yeah. But my body learned to like it. Yeah. Um, but it reminded me of moments of extreme peace and happiness. Fine. And fine. so I think there is so an element. So that's kind of what you're craving. It's a yeah. Proxy, proxy and then you're like, hang on, there's a, re- well, there's a reward. Yeah. So the craving has gone. Yeah. I believe now from my smoking, but I still am occasionally reminded of the reward I get. Yeah. Or got. Oh, interesting. Um, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, now, the replacement, the, the they call it the golden rule of habit change. Oh. <laughs> nice. Uh, and the argument is that it's easiest to change habits when you keep the same cue and reward and change the routine or behavior. Okay. So, and this is when I mentioned earlier about cold turkey. Yeah. So it, it goes some levels to explain why cold turkey is not the way to change bad oh, habits. because you don't have a reward, I guess. To some you, have, you have nothing. Yeah. You have nothing. You have a vacuum. You don't get the reward. Yeah. You have a vacuum. So there's a queue. And, and there's nothing to replace nothing, it with. So yeah, so, yeah, and yeah, it's fine. much harder to do nothing than to do something. Yeah, because there's no routine. You, you've yeah, just yeah. got a void, like you said. Uh, and, and um, yeah, it, to me, it makes total sense. Yeah. I, I, and it's one of those things where is it is it a piece of research that's just so comfortable that maybe they, yeah, I'm not like questioning those, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dangerous, like but um, the idea is you keep your cue. Yeah. Because there is either muscle memory. So, for example, smoking, oh, yeah. there may even be some muscle memory around. I'm there's sure language, there's behavior. I remember someone talking about stopping swearing. Okay and for them they realised there were massive cues and it was easier for them to replace words and so the parents do it all the time right 
So my mum had an F word that wasn't the F word, it was another F word. Yes, okay. And she was, I think it was fudge. Fudge. Oh, fudge. Yeah. Sugar. Um, <laughs> although my favourite situation, sorry mum, is when she replaced a swear word with another swear word that she didn't know was a swear word. <laughs> and so she was going around swearing like a banshee. We were all like, why is my mum swearing? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. not a swear word. Yeah, yes, it okay, is. Okay. Um, but so replacing it is much easier than saying nothing. Fine. Because your body is already going towards or your brain is already going that towards process. that, and that I guess process. It's, it's that, you know maintaining the state where you're using that reduced amount of mental and emotional energy you're just doing it with a different thing you're working with what you've got already yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you're, it's, so you're it's, keeping that process so what I really love about it on a, a philosophical level philosophical? Right, let's find out concept level maybe okay. um, is that you're working with who you are already Yeah. and you're working with the systems that your body has built and your brain has built and yeah. you're saying I don't like the product of those systems but, so, but I accept that the pathways yeah. and the processes are there and I'm going to work with them cool um so I really like that concept um, and I think it's a really useful way of thinking about it um, okay. and I think especially when you start to understand what cues look like in your life yep. and when you start to recognise them and become aware of them and understand what's happening um, I always talk about it with my habits and changing them around trying to hack my brain I've mentioned this before yeah, yeah, yeah. and so for me the concept of a habit replacement a habit loop and replacing a habit helps me think about how to hack my brain it's like saying okay brain i get what you're doing i'm on to you and i'm going to trick you into doing something a little bit different but it's not so different that it's going to take massive conscious thought gotcha so that is my very top level introduction to the concept of habits habit changing as i said at the beginning there are huge huge other areas around this stuff and very complex neuroscience um, but I thought it was a really good place to start. What do you think? I think it's great. I mean, I really enjoy the overall topic. I like the idea of the loop. I think it it brings it to life really well. And, you know, something that we, we started saying that we might try and do another episode on um, a bit later on was about a sort of habit forming and products and like creating addictive products and, and how um, product designers and, and sort of customer experience designers are trying to bring some of this stuff into actually creating interactions with consumers. Um, so I think this is great in terms of yeah. I, so I'm absolutely fascinated with old school video games. Yeah, and okay. how that was how that was done without really realizing it. Sure, so yeah, I know yeah, yeah. now the they get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you look at Tetris, yeah, and there's many many people out there who will know what I'm talking about. Many of you won't Google yeah. it. Tetris is <laughs> a very simplistic uh, logic game mm-hmm. uh, that had very very compelling music. Yeah, music to the point where I used to dream about it. Yeah, yeah. And I would or dream like the music, and, and the music would make me want to play the game. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was yeah. just. I'm not sure how much they knew what they were doing. No, it's like at that point. a lot of stuff is sort of learned by experimentation, but it totally worked. Yeah, right? I mean, totally worked. I mean, it was yeah. it was nuts. Yeah. It was absolutely. I didn't know anyone who didn't play that game. Yeah, yeah. And I'm assuming the modern equivalent would be Candy Crush. I don't know. I, well, yeah, Candy Crush. I, I don't know. I played it for three months. I got to level like hundred or something, and then, and then I realized, and then I realized this was a really unhealthy thing because the habit I'd formed was turning on my phone and going straight to Candy yes, Crush. Yes, yes, yes. Um, we can chat about that at some okay. point. <laughs> so um, yeah, overall, really great. Really, really like the topic. Me too, actually. It makes me really, really want to explore it quite a lot more. Yeah. Um, I and, think... and you could do like a like a habit audit on yourself. That sounds like a really boring thing to do, but you know what I mean? You no, could... and there's, uh, you know, one of the things I, I was going to mention at some point, maybe not in the research, is there are loads of apps out there that help you. There's one called, I think, Streak. Um, okay. okay. Loads of different apps that help you choose which habit you'd like to change and help you start to record it. Fine. Um, what, what it's also made me realise... Uh, sharing probably too much is like we started huddling what how long ago 
Oh, I don't know, two months ago? Yeah, so James totally won me over on the huddles. We all know <laughs> Jane went into the episode criticising them, had, yeah, a revolu- had a revelation halfway through that she really liked them and had been using them for years and then felt a bit embarrassed. Um, but it's made me realise one of the reasons that I'm struggling with getting our huddles right for me is that they are not habitual. Yeah. So the con- they are habitual to do, so the time is a trigger yeah, for me to yeah. always speak to you, but the process is still has to be driven yeah. by one of us. And I think uh, that's made me really think about how can I construct the beginning of our opening such that it is a habitual yeah. thing of tick, 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 yeah, tick, tick, yeah, yeah. tick. And we're so, still working through all of that. Totally. Yeah, but it's, I mean, if nothing else, even if this podcast no use to anyone else, it's helped me. So. Yeah, very good. Thumbs up. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's our research roundup. Cool. We've shoehorned some extra research into the lists, I think, a little bit. Yeah. And you're going to take us through, I think, maybe two lists if we've got time. Yeah, I think we've got time, so we're going to give it a go. i got two lists for you, like you said. They're both from uh, Psychology Today, and they both really focus on kind of changing your habits and, and practical things that you can do as an individual that will help you get rid of bad habits, create new habits, all that kind of good stuff. So the first one is from um, Susan Krauss, uh, Whitbourne, and it's a, a piece called um, five steps to breaking bad habits and as it says that's really what it's about so these are five steps that you could use to break some habits that maybe are unhelpful for you um, so the first step is to decide what you really want to change and convince yourself that you can do it right so a lot of this is about understanding what your starting point is um, and where you want to end up and what it is that you want to change um, you know when we spoke about coaching a couple of weeks ago or uh, in the episode that we had with Jillian one of the roles of coaches is to help people determine what they want to change and, and help guide people through that process and help people understand what they want to do. Um, so it's interesting to, to kind of reflect on that here. Um, so step one is deciding what you really want to change, convincing yourself that you can. Step two then is around gaining insight on what's causing the habit, right? So, so if you're doing something that's a negative habit, you probably want to step back and reflect on what are some of the triggers for it, where are some of the the drivers for that habit coming from, what, what's really the, the sort of structure around it that causes you to behave in that, that way. So getting that understanding is helpful. Um, and once you've got that understanding, step three is to, start your, to set yourself reasonable goals in relation to the habit. So, you know, you might not want to have a goal that is to completely stop something. Jane spoke earlier when you were telling Jane, you, you talked about, um, about going cold turkey, right? And maybe that's not a reasonable goal. Maybe a reasonable goal isn't to completely eliminate a habit. Maybe your first reasonable goal might be to reduce something or do something only in certain circumstances or whatever it happens to be. Um, so having clarity and useful goal setting is helpful. Then step four in this process is to measure your progress and not be discouraged by occasional slips. Right. So, so this measurement is in itself some sort of reward for good behavior. So you want to measure things, you want to know where you're going, you want to be clear on what you're doing. Um, and that, that point about occasional slips is really important as well. You know, when you spoke about forming habits earlier and you talked about, you know, 21 days is a myth and 66 days and whatever, people tend to think that you need to be perfect throughout that process um, to really have, have created a habit and to achieve a goal. But that's not really the case. You know, occasionally slipping on something isn't the end of the world. Um, when we were speaking earlier, you said that if you've done something nine out of nine days, that's great. If you've slipped the next day, then you've still done nine out of 10. And that's a good achievement in itself. And then from there, you just want to pick up and keep going. And you want to get 10 out of 11, 11 out of 12. Um, and to make sure you, you measure that progress and to, to continue to be pleased with it and celebrate your successes as you do. Uh, and then the last uh, of the five steps uh, in terms of breaking habits here 
is to seek additional support if your habits are proving hard to change. So, you know, nobody's an island. We, we are social beings and we benefit from support. So if you're in a position where you're struggling with something, getting some support is a really helpful thing. So a quick recap, those five points are decide what you really want to change and convince yourself that you can. Gain insight into what's causing the habit that you want to change. Set reasonable goals that are, you know, achievable, all that kind of stuff. Measure your progress and don't be uh, discouraged by the occasional slip. And then seek additional support if things are proving hard. So, so that's a useful framework uh, as list one of the week. The next list of the week is kind of similar. You know, it's trying to do the same thing, but in, in a different perspective. And this is um, seven steps of habit replacement loop training. Um, so again, the goals are the same in terms of replacing and changing habits, but it's got some different things in here, which I kind of like. So it starts by talking about awareness. And it says that even though it's really simple, being consciously aware of how habit replacement works um, and then starting to consciously recognize the cues that exist in your world and, and the sort of triggers that lead you to behaving in certain ways is, is an important starting point. So, so once you become mindful and present and conscious about what's driving your behaviors, it becomes easier to look at ways to change those. So, so that first point is awareness. The next point then is around intentionally looking to replace negative habits, right? And doing that by choosing or substituting a positive routine um, when when something happens to trigger a habit. So you understand your negative habits, you start to introduce positive habits to replace them. And this can be both thinking habits as well as um, maybe physical or behavioral habits as well. So, you know, the, the field of cognitive behavioral therapy is around helping people find more useful and helpful ways of thinking about things in certain situations. So you have maybe an emotional cue or behavioral cue uh, where in the past you would have responded with some negative uh, thinking patterns. Instead, you try and replace those with more positive thinking patterns. So step two is around intentionally replacing a negative habit uh, with a positive habit. Then the third point in here is around eliminating your negative triggers. So is it possible to identify the things that trigger you, the cues that exist out there, um, that are triggers or cues that lead to negative behaviors? Can you change those? and replace them with triggers that will lead you to positive behaviors. And that can be done through things like changing your built environment, changing um, you know, your, your routines, um, doing things like pre-committing to things. So for example, if you always eat a chocolate biscuit when you, well, I don't know, the bell goes at five o'clock, you might decide that actually you're gonna get rid of a bell or you're gonna not buy chocolate biscuits, right? I mean, that's a kind of a silly made up thing, but it kind of works. Um, Point four here is buddying up. So looking for social support, working with other people, um, joining forces with people uh, can make it easier to um, have a replacement of a negative habit with a positive one. Um, point five, this one I think is really powerful. This is about picking your friends, you know, and just says surround yourself with people who behave the way you want to behave and use the power of a group. So if you live with people who maybe um, have habits that you don't want, you might want to move away from that friend group or that environment towards a group that embodies the behaviors that you want to embody because that'll help you right i mean if, if for example you don't exercise and nobody around you exercises but you want to exercise if you move to maybe a location or a neighborhood where everybody's out running and jogging and playing sports all the time and the people that you socialize with do those things then it's more likely that you'll do that 
And that relates really well to that definition right at the beginning of the show about habitualization, right? Totally. And having that understanding of what you are absorbing and taking from your environment, peers and surroundings. Yeah, yeah, it just bleeds through into to your behaviours. So that, that picking your friends is powerful. Um, step six here is visualising. So make sure that you can see yourself succeeding in, with a new habit in, in that sort of future world you're trying to create. If you can do that, then you're more likely to achieve it. So focusing on that is, is helpful. And then the last point here is around being persistent. You know, you, it, it, this is something we touched on in the earlier one about slips and stuff as well. But if you practice your routine, if you, if you practice your habits, even if you miss a repetition opportunity, keep focusing on the behavior and eventually it'll stick. And that's the point, right? Like nine out of 10 is fine. It's much better than none out of 10, right? And then maybe one day you'll get to 10 out of 10, but it's about that incremental buildup. Yeah, I think for me, that's probably the most powerful part of all of it. I think yeah. if you offered someone who's trying to change a habit, yeah. 300 out of 365 days they were getting it right oh totally at the start totally take that yeah, right you'd be like yes sure I'll take that yeah um, so again just quick recap the seven steps of habit replacement loop training are number one awareness be aware of how habit habits work number two replace negative habits by choosing a positive substituted routine number three eliminate your negative triggers number four buddy up work with people get some help number five pick your friends be surrounded by the people who do the things that you want to do um, number six, visualize and make sure that you can see yourself succeeding. And then number seven, be persistent and keep going, right? Practice it, celebrate your successes and, and you'll get there. So that's our two lists of the week. Like you said, almost a bit of research in there, but they're two lists of practical, helpful things that people can do to, to change their habits and form new ones. Yeah, I um, like it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And I like the fact that both those lists are kind of trying to do the same thing, but coming at it with some different points and, you know, we could kind of amalgamate them into one mega yeah, list. That wouldn't be fair on the people who no, read them. No, no, no. But not. also, I think, um, you know, there is, a, there is a deep level of pragmatism yeah. within what I do in my work and what I think a lot of people have to absorb. There is theory and there is lots of evidence about what works. Yeah. Um, but there is a level of pragmatism about how you apply that and what is available to you. And the more you know about what might work, yeah. the better chance you have of figuring out what's going to help you work. Yeah. Because the whole point of this stuff is it's, it's, it's amassed information from lots and lots of people. But there's only one you. Yeah. So those steps might not be quite right for you. Yeah. But there might be enough information to yeah. figure out what is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can experiment with them and see if that's good. Cool. All right, so that's list of the week. Um, stories from the keyboard. I mean, have you got any... Stories from the keyboard, be it uh, aside a work from my, keyboard or aside a home from keyboard. my making the bed one. Well, yeah, uh, aside from making the bed one. Which you can go check, one. my bed is <laughs> okay. it's, uh, astonishing how easy that was. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, probably, there's quite a lot. I've talked before about my smoking. I think, yeah. probably for me, the um, the biggest uh, the biggest consciousness of me, of my habits, is making things, uh, doing the prep work. Okay. So, for example, I'm really untidy, uh, but if my house is designed such that there is a, ha- a place for everything, okay, then I'm not really untidy okay. because if there's only one place for things, I will put it in that place. Yeah. And so, for me, that environment and how I design my own environment and how I make sure that uh, things are right, yeah, such that they are making it easy for me to stick to those habits when I have poor self-regulation, yeah, is massive. Yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of a sort of pre-commitment stuff, right? I mean, you do your stuff. Yeah, I have your... no cake in the house. Yeah. I have no crisps in the house because my willpower is such, as or self-regulation is such, that I will eat those crisps yeah, and that yeah, cake. Yeah. But I do have long-term 
regulation able just not to buy them. And bring yeah, them yeah, 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 yeah. So you use that. Yeah, and I guess I guess my split. point my point would be I couldn't do that without the cooperation of other people. Sure. So making it clear how important changing my behaviours around, for example, eating or smoking was to the people around me. Yeah. Um, because I'm highly influenced about what's going on without me. So I tried to quit smoking twice, but all my friends were still smoking. Yeah, yeah And it yeah. was only when most when the tipping point had happened that I found it so much easier. Yeah. Well, I, I became a herbit. A, her, a herbit? A herbit. I, I became a herbit. Hermit. I'm still a herbit. Um, I became a, a hermit around the time that I actually successfully yeah. stopped smoking. And, and I just didn't socialize with groups of people for about six months. I just kind of stopped seeing certain groups of people. Yeah, and then you appear with these new habits and people are really confused. Yeah, but, yeah, like, but by that point, you feel confident about it because yes, you know where you are. Yes, you're confident. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've got one little story, like totally stupid, but it's about brushing my teeth. What do you know? This is exciting, isn't it? So, well, my dad was a dentist, so oh, absolutely oh, well, fascinating. Yeah, okay. So, um, so my teeth are in a pretty good state, right? Despite some of the things I do. But generally, they're in a good state. And what happened was I went, I go for six monthly checkups. Yeah. And what I noticed was that a couple times I was getting sort of watches on the same part of my mouth. So the upper left part of my mouth mm-hmm. was um, was the one that seemed to be most at risk. It was a bit of a pattern. And the rest of my mouth was fine. And I, the, I brushed my teeth in quadrants. This is so exciting for everyone. Anyway, so what I used to do is I used to start on, I think, the bottom right, bottom left, upper right, upper left. So it was the area that I was brushing last, which was the one that was most at risk. And I was like, oh. But I don't even think about how I'm brushing my teeth, but I bet you that towards the end, I'm getting a bit lazy. I'm like, time's running down. I'm going to get out of here. I was using a manual toothbrush at the time when, I, when this was going on. So I thought, well, I'm going to change it. And now I want to brush the top left first. Yeah, you're, sh- you're shaking her head at me. I'm just impressed. I'm impressed how conscious you are of how we brush your teeth. I couldn't tell you where I start. Yeah, but but it's because it was there. So, so what I did is I started saying, well, you know what? I'm going to try and consciously start brushing in the upper left okay. and I'll probably do a best job at the beginning um, so I did that and it was it's so automatic but it actually took a while um, and I don't know how long it took me but now I'm at the stage where I'm like I just brush upper left first and I just do it without even thinking about it so total silly example it's not really that's great no no it's not silly it's brilliant <laughs> it is literally my favourite example I am now going to brush my teeth tonight and figure out where I start yeah, yeah. so anyway so that was kind of helpful so that was a little story but, 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 but you know being conscious about it having a replacement plans in there um, having an external uh, reference point from a doctor, uh, sorry, dentist, and some goals on it, um, and trying to do it over a series of time. So I did it. So yeah, I've achieved a change in habits from where I started. Good change. Yeah, so that's good. Okay. Yeah, so that's good. So anyway. from that, probably useful to segue onto top tips. Yeah, top what, tips. What are you, you clearly have been successful in your yeah. changing of behaviours, yeah, both yeah, yourself yeah. and with people you work with. Yes, that's right. Um, what are your top tips? Well, on the toothbrush, I bought an electric toothbrush and that means that I get unique timing across each of my, oh, my quadrants life. now. So that, I would say, is a pretty powerful, powerful thing. But I mean, like, that's kind of flippant, but there's something about having it's funny the that's, structure that helps. So interestingly, that was going to be my top tip. Not, not by an electric tooth. <laughs> although I would recommend them as a yes. dentist's daughter. Um <laughs> No. And which toothpaste would you <laughs> Whenever I've and I've said this before, I said this in our goal setting episode, I think. When yeah. you if you want to change something about your life, think about what you're prepared to sacrifice, either mm. financially or in time terms. Yeah, 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 I remember. And then find out if there's a solution that can help you. Yeah. So um for me, if 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 you're thinking about changing a job and you don't know how to start, think about how much money you would pay to change a job if you snap your fingers. Yeah. That's your coaching budget. Go and get mm-hmm. some career coaching. If you want to change your habit around brushing your teeth 
and you find out that for a hundred pounds you yeah. can have something that will help you regulate that yeah. do it yeah, yeah, yeah. so for me when i changed my eating habits the rule i made myself was that for one year i was not gonna ever ever not spend money on food if it was the right food for me to yeah, eat and yeah, yeah. that I, I i think i mentioned last time it, it involved me sitting in alone in an italian restaurant in the middle of soho for yeah, paying 25 pounds for lunch one day yeah uh, but that i had made that pre-commitment yeah, yeah, i had yeah. said this is going to cost me a fortune but this is too important to my health not yeah. to sort out yeah, yeah, yeah. um and it, it's that that process of uh, contracting with yourself is huge yeah and, and that you know that goes back to some of the things we, that we talked about in the list which is almost starting with that awareness piece Right, like being aware of what drives your behaviors and what drives your habits, and starting to be conscious of how your behaviors and motivation work is a really powerful thing in both those examples. Yeah, yeah. Um, if so, you really struggle, write a diary. Yeah, it really yeah, helps. Yeah, not like a journal about it. Yeah. No, but not even that. Just literally have a oh, diary okay. where you write down when things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I had a big spreadsheet. Of course, I, you did. of course, I did. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I thought say, I was spreadsheet queen, and then I met James. And I, I should say so. So I had like, I mean, I had all kinds of crazy stuff on there but like number of hours slept amount of alcohol drunk exercise in different varieties walking distance running whatever sleeping at one point I put you that, are literally the sum of your habits yeah yeah <laughs> but i've changed a lot of them and like i did that every about a five-year period and it was kind of fun in some ways to see columns disappearing so the smoking column's not even there anymore because you know obviously i've stopped so that. i did my insurance quote today okay and uh they they said oh do you smoke and i said no and they said how long and i was like oh oh i don't know and yeah. they were like well is it the last year i was like no it's no, not last no, year no, no, no. and i realized i didn't even know how long yeah, it was yeah, because yeah. it has been so long yeah i so still occasionally watch a movie and think oh, oh that yeah, is, that yeah, is nice. yeah 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 cool so that was a fun episode i think we, we covered some good stuff I think you did an excellent research roundup. Ah, I think I did it different from the way you did. Yeah, it's good, it's good. We each have our own, right? Yeah, yeah. And we both managed to say the A word very well. What, automaticity? Automaticity, yes. yeah. I've just done a fist bump, people, because <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. All right, um, so that's the end of that. Uh, that's uh, a little bit of thinking about habits. As you said earlier, I mean, it's a hugely yeah. complex field. I can see us coming of... back to some of the science around habits and habitualization, yeah. particularly. Yeah, but this was just a, a sort of overview yeah. for you guys. Um, so if you've got any thoughts on it, get in touch with us, check us out. Um, at the Wow Podcast is the Twitter handle, Instagram, LinkedIn, yeah. Wow Mail. Cool. So that's us. Um, I guess it's just time to say until the next time, it's over and out. Check it out. Check it out. We're off to, uh, I'm off to walk the dog in the sunshine. Have yeah. a lovely weekend, uh, everyone, and uh, enjoy the rest of the, what's left of your week as well. Hi. Thanks for listening to this episode of the World of Work podcast. To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us if you wish through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you.